Open your Bibles or your iPads or your telephones or whatever new innovation there is to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be reading from that in just a few moments while I get this. Set up here. It's good to be here. Reminds me of just how much I've aged when I come here and see kids that when I was here were no taller than knee height or a grasshopper. Now some of them are growing beards. So, and, uh, but it's always good to be back, my wife Wanda and I, and uh, see old faces and some new faces. I want to uh, begin by reading verses 11 through 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, from which I'm going to sort of lead into the message today. Now, I'm not Josh. I'm not down front. I'm not going to move all around. And I don't have the memory that I used to have. So I'm probably going to be stuck right here. But uh, what we're really going to focus on is what the Lord has to say to us. 1 Thessalonians 5:11 through 14. Paul writes, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. What I want us to see in these verses is that Paul is first commending the uh, Christians in Thessalonica to act intentionally to encourage each other. And then he goes on to instruct them to encourage each other, to live in peace, help each other with patience. And these acts, as we see uh, from here, do not happen by accident. They are expressed, and they are uh, occur with forethought. And that's what I want us to think about today, to encourage each other. Now, the word encourage actually comes from two words, I-N, in, encourage. So what we do is, uh, in our actions, we put others in courage. Otherwise, what we do is we strengthen them. We lift up their spirits. So with this in mind, I want to remind us, just generally, of several ways that we can achieve what Paul implores saints to do. Proverbs 12.25 tells us, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. My friends, we encourage each other We help them in circumstances that may be causing anxiety by speaking pleasant words. That's how we can lift their spirits and put them in courage. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who... Hear. I like this phrase, give grace to those who hear. This is why we think about and intentionally express words that encourage. Now, there's a variety of definitions 
for grace. And in this case, I believe the idea is that our pleasant words give temporary reprieve from those who are in distress, those who are just not feeling good because of the circumstances around them. We all face times in our lives when we are weighed down with concerns that we are living in circumstances that are troubling. And it's times like this that we need words from our friends. We need words from our brethren that touch our spirit with kindness and understanding and give us relief from our anxiety. These words lift our spirits and gives us courage to continue. That's what we do when we give pleasant words to others that encourage them, that strengthen them. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. My friends, we are the instruments of that of what Paul has to say. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we need the help of each other. We need the words that put us in courage, that strengthen us. And the key to recognize these is that there are times that need each other, or we need each other to encourage us. At the end of John 13, Jesus told his disciples that in a little while he was going to leave them, and he was going to a place where they couldn't go. And Peter wouldn't accept this. Peter said he wanted to follow the Lord. And Jesus told Peter he was going to face a test that would bring him great distress. Now imagine how Peter felt at that particular moment. Here he was. He had given up everything to be with the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm going to leave you. And not only that, Peter, you are going to face a time of great distress. Listen what Jesus said immediately after that in chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. First of all, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Beloved, Christ gives us an example of the need of the moment. To encourage someone. He gave Peter and his disciples great comfort at that particular point in time. Because they were in great distress. Yes, he was going to leave them and go away. But he would return and receive them in a place that he had prepared. That's what pleasant words do for each other. I have a preaching friend of mine someone that I developed relationship with when I was traveling to Cuba regularly, who now preaches in uh, Olguin in Cuba, which is in the uh, northeastern part of the uh, country, uh, northeastern part of Cuba. And I get his reports regularly, and I translate those reports for some others. And in his latest report, he talks about an older woman who had recently been baptized and came into Christ. And her daughter was attending services with them. And now she has cancer. And the, the, the older woman has cancer, the mother. And she's dying. And he said this woman's daughter was so 
distraught by the fact that her mother had gotten cancer and was going to die. And she was beginning to say, you know, you talk about this God of yours who cares for each other. And this God of yours, you know, who's going to help people. And so Joel says, I'm beginning to study with the daughter and with the mother. And I'm talking to them about how to die and where you're going to go when you die. Joel is trying to give them words of comfort to let them understand that death is not the end. It is the beginning for all who have faithfully yielded their lives to Jesus Christ. It's hard and difficult times to find these kind of words, but we have to work at it. We have to intentionally work to encourage each other. And we have to do it with our words and with our manners. We also encourage each other by acknowledging the talents that God has given us. By expressing our gratitude for their service to us and to others in God. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, we ought always to give to, to, we are always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. When I think of growing love, when I think of growing faith and an expression of love that Christians have for another disciple of the Lord, I, my thoughts turn to Aquila and Priscilla. Turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. I want to read verses 1 through 3 first. After these things, and we're talking about Paul, after these things he left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they were working. For by trade, they were tent makers. Now let's look at verse 18. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brother and put out to sea for Syria. With him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Chancheria, he had his hair cut for he was keeping a vow. Now look at verses 25 through 27. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he had wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed. Through grace. I tell you what, we see a couple here reaching out to Paul, showing hospitality and working with him, risking their lives and giving their house for the church, as we read over in Romans. And Paul acknowledged their service and encouraged them, expressing thanks for what they did for him and for the church. Paul was very good at encouraging others. Showing his gratitude for their growing faith and expressing their love to each other. He expressed his gratitude to the church of Philippi. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and let's read verses 1 through 7. 
3 through 7. Philippians chapter 1. Let's read verses 3 through 7. I thank my God. And he's talking to this church at uh, Philippi. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. My friends, we can encourage each other. How? By encouraging words, which must have been for the church of Philippi, for the saints there, when they read this letter, something expressing gratitude for what they had done for them. We need to be able to do that. But we have to think intentionally about what others are doing for us and how we can help them. We can also encourage others by believing in them. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it talks about love. And it says, love has, um, love believes all things. Love believes all things. And we can and do encourage others by believing in them. And I believe we have an example in Acts 15. In Acts 15, verses 36 through 39, it reads like this. In some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark along with them. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Barnabas, of whom we could say a lot with respect to encouragement. But Barnabas believed in John Mark. Yes, John Mark left Paul and Barnabas in Pamphylia. And quite frankly, we don't know why he left. But what we do know is that Barnabas obviously saw qualities in John Mark that gave Barnabas hope and belief in John Mark's value to the kingdom. And we know that was the right decision. Paul, at the end of his life, wrote in 2 Timothy 4.11, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in the ministry. Now, we may not want to admit this, but all of us will falter from time to time in our service to one another. And it's a failure that is not sinful. I don't think John Mark did anything that was sinful when he left them, but nevertheless, it was a failure. And it was a failure that could have hindered uh, him in the gospel. But Barnabas teaches me and teaches us an important lesson here. That is that our first instinct needs to be to believe in people, believe in Christians, believe in who they are. All of us, all of us will falter from time to time. But we need people who believe in us, 
and who will encourage us just like Barnabas did for John Mark. He believed in him. He gave him a second chance. He gave him another opportunity. And we can see at the end of Paul's life that that was the right decision. All of us, every one of us, some point in time, we'll falter a bit. We may not do what we need to do. It may be a word that we may say that touches someone and and offends them. But let's not give up on believing in each other. Let's believe in each other. Let's believe all things for good. Let's reach out and help each other in times like this. We also encourage people by speaking well of them to others. In 2 Corinthians 9.10, Paul writes, For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. He wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. After the first letter that he wrote to the church of Corinth, in which he really took the hide off of them for some of the things they were doing. But Paul did not give up on the church at Corinth. And he even speaks well of them now to others. Paul tells the saints at Corinth that he boasted of their zeal to others. When you consider the problems that Paul had addressed in the first letter of the Corinth to the Corinthians, this must have been a real encouragement, a real boost to their spirit. And this is a lesson for all of us, because all of us have a past. And in all likelihood, all of us have done or said something that could be held against us by another Christian. But James James writes in Chapter 5, verse 9. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. The proper attitude, and the one that brings encouragement to us, is to speak well of faithful brothers all the time. Not just some of the time. Not just when they do what we think is right. But all the time. Let's speak well of each other. To each other, let's speak well so that we can encourage each other. We cannot be those kind of people that if someone does not shake our hand when we walk in, that we hold that in contempt and grudge for a long time. Let's just speak well of each other. Let's do what the Bible says. Let's not complain, brethren, against one another. Let's encourage each other. Brethren, we're all in the church together, every one of us. We're all in this together with the Lord. Each of us diligently seeking to live uprightly in a world that is turning more and more away from God and His moral standards need each other. We need to encourage each other. As it was said in the Bible study this morning, More and more and more, the world and the people in this country are turning away from God, speaking ill of Christians, trying to tear us down, trying to make us part of their lives and not what we want to be. And I fear it's going to get worse and worse and worse because we don't approve of some of their lifestyles. 
We don't approve because the Lord doesn't approve. And we're going to reap, I think, words from them and actions from those who are non-Christians. They're going to try to minimize us and limit us more and more and more. And we cannot bite and devour each other. We've got to encourage each other. we got to be the kind of people who love God, who love each other, and who understand. We need to speak good words. We need to believe in each other. We need to help each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to speak well of each other. That's what we need to do. And as we do that, regardless of what happens to us outside in this world, we can come together and we can be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And we can live the kind of lives that God wants us to live. And we can do all things through Christ, through him and through our brethren who strengthen us every day, every hour, every minute by being together. That's the message that I wanted to preach this morning. I want us to understand we need each other. We must live for each other. We are God's people. We can make it. Like Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled because we have each other. Do not let your heart be troubled because there is a place for us beyond this world. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in each other. Speak well of each other. Help each other. Strengthen each other with our words, with our actions, and the way we live. If you're here today and you've never yielded your life to Jesus Christ, you're not yet part of these brethren, I would encourage you to do that. If you know what you need to do, if you know that you need to repent of your sins, if you know you're a sinner, and if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, he said, Jesus said over in Matthew 13, uh, in Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. But if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. Are you ready to confess Jesus Christ as Lord? If you do, he's ready to confess you. He said in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and verse 5, Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. Repent. Turn away from a lifestyle that is not approaching what God wants you to be. Turn away from that lifestyle and be the kind of person you need to be. Repent or you're going to perish. And then he said, He who is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is when we go down in that water and come up and our sins are washed away. If you're ready for that, don't stand in that in in your pew today. As my friend Roberto Perez used to say in Cuba, in uh, Chile, unlock your knees, brother. Step out of that aisle and come down here because you know what you need to do. Unlock your knees. And if you've been a Christian and you need the encouragement of these brethren, you need the prayers of these brethren, don't hesitate. I know these brethren. I know all of them. 
those those of I know of you whom I know, who I know I know you are ready to help. So make your wishes known as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.